This is Dyes and Chewy X, the podcast, episode 98 for the week of October 14th, 2007. Welcome to Daizenshu EX, the podcast, an extension of the all-encompassing Dragon Ball fan site, Daizenshu EX. We cover anything and everything Dragon Ball in the hopes of enlightening and a little bit of entertaining. I am your host, Julian. I think you may have heard of me before. I appear online in some places as Saiya Jedi, combining the two favorite fandoms that I had when I was, you know, 14. But uh, you may also just know me as Julian, and that's okay, too, because that's my name. And I do have some other people here with me. Yo! Off to my proverbial left is Mike. What's up, man? It is so great to have you back. I know. It's great to have you back. And Mary, too. <laughs> yeah, there's Mary over here to my less than proverbial right. I am on your right. Oh, and uh, my less than proverbial left, I should say, is actually uh, quite a bit of a proverbial left. In fact, it's about halfway around the world from here. But <laughs> I'd like to say it's less than proverbial, okay? I'm fine with that. I enjoy this. Okay. Well, cool. So, what's up with you guys? Uh, not a whole lot. We did a con last week. And... Oh, yeah, and we missed you, because last year you were at Manga Next. Yeah, exactly. Like, I saying, oh, a year ago this time, Julian was here. And actually, we were we... cleaning the apartment this evening, <laughs> and I came across your badge from Manga Next. It had your name on it. It's a Jedi. Oh, my God, I can't throw this out. <laughs> it's a souvenir uh, of Julian. Uh... So I, like, put it in the drawer with all of our con stuff. Okay. Well, you know... We didn't get to do one of those last year, but right. I don't know. I think one of these times, maybe we should figure out how to do a panel with me present, but not. It just requires internet access at a decent connection, which is not always <laughs> a feasible thing with some of these cons. We were trying to do it. Jeff was trying to like hack into their wireless. But, but he's not a mad lead hacker, so. No, nah, he was just randomly guessing passwords. Like, Crown Plaza. No. Damn. Hotel? <laughs> Password. <laughs> The password was not password. One, two, three, four, five. Default. So, uh, yeah, that was our week. Uh, we got some other stuff we can talk about, but first up, we haven't really heard from you lately, and last time we did, um, something over here exploded. So, give us a brief rundown. Yes. What the hell you been up to? Well, so I moved into a new apartment, which I mentioned last time. I've been slowly accumulating the things I need to, you know, live here. In fact, uh, just as I was in the shower this morning, my desk arrived, which means that I can put that together this afternoon, and then I need to get some chairs. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's coming together slowly. Uh, and other news, I um, also attended the sports festival of the middle school that I work at ah. just uh, about a week ago, in fact. Now, uh, in case you're unfamiliar with the sports festival, this is a theme that crops up in series like Azumanga Daio or basically any anime that's set in a school setting. It's basically a day for the students to compete in sort of various athletic type events with running and jumping and various things. So it's like field day? Uh, I don't know. Kind of. Yeah, it's like a field day, I guess. But there's a lot of preparation on the part of the students and the teachers and stuff almost like military like drilling in fact there's one moment at the very beginning where the principal's lecturing them and they're all sort of lined up in rows i got a weird sort of triumph of the will vibe which was immediately dispelled when i started doing calisthenics but you know <laughs> <laughs> how very japanese yes uh and other news the other day i had a very weird day in particular so it's kind of part of the ongoing saga of what the hell happened to my boxes that i sent over here before i left for japan <laughs> 
<laughs> so and about halfway through September, I was told, uh, after waiting for the boxes and not having anything in even a notice that they tried to deliver something show up, I went to the post office and they t- the guy there told me, without really doing much research, that because the number of the apartment was not on, then they had been sent back. Oh. And I I was none too happy about that. In fact, it was probably a good idea that I stormed out of the post office and not punched the guy. <laughs> um, I went back two days ago because Thursday was my day off in exchange for attending the sports festival. They told me then that, in fact, the guy who I talked to before lied to me. They didn't send my boxes back at that point. In fact, they had them up until about the 4th of October, over which time they tried and failed to deliver them several more times. But they had just sent them off to Kobe to go on the slow boat back to the U.S., which means not even my parents would be seeing them for the next six to eight weeks. Luckily, thanks to my intervention... They were able to put a phone call in and get them recalled from Kobe, so it sounds like I should have them sometime in the coming week, finally. This is one of the best um, stories I've ever heard. Yes. But that's not the end of that day. Uh-oh. So, uh, after that, I had, you know, time to kill, and I was in Osaka. So I went over to Nipponbashi and Denden Town, which is the kind of the Akihabara district of Osaka. So I was wandering around for a while, and... I managed to find uh, the 10th anniversary magazine for One Piece, 10th Treasures, which is a little irrelevant to this podcast, but, you know, One Piece (laughs) fan. Um, And then I kind of got roped into attending this weird, like, karaoke event. It would appear to be this kind of maid cafe where the gimmick is that the waitresses go up and sing songs. Except the event itself was like this weird kind of special promotional free thing with this Tarento. Tarento is like um, kind of not quite actor's in Japanese society will go on game shows and stuff. And this guy is known for his impersonation of Amuro Rei from the original Gundam series and um, Toru Furuya, the voice of Amuro Rei, as well as Yamcha and DBZ, um, actually did some weird skits with him at one point. But um, not not that night, just some weird kind of lame comedy that I probably would have understood if I'd watched the entire original series all the way through. And then um, they had a secret special guest who actually was kind of cool. He turned out to be Ichiro Mizuki, um, really um, sort of an elder statesman in the world of people who sing anime themes, who did such series themes as Majinga Zetto, uh, Space Pirate Captain Harlock, and Tekaman, the Space Knight. Oh, wow. Yeah, this is some yeah. old school stuff there. He's one of the founding members of the Jam Project. Of oh, which, all right. Yeah, uh, I know that. Okay is also a member. So, right. yeah. So that was actually pretty cool. Although I, I still don't really get the concept of the place where it was held because, I mean, come on. If you're going to have a karaoke setup, you should let the customers sing, right? <laughs> and I do like how you kind of turned it into DBZ at the end there. So that was really nice. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, yeah. The other only other news, really, is that I've still managed to keep tabs on the uh, redub, well, not the redub, but the new dub of One Piece. Oh, yeah. Which I think is, is really good, especially compared to what they were up against before. Um, not that that would be hard. <laughs> but, you know, the one thing that runs through my head is, why couldn't they do this with DBZ? Uh, I don't even want to get into a discussion about all that. You so. know what? I already forgot about it because we watched you yeah. know, the first new episode and then we were at a con last weekend. So that one weekend that I forgot to watch it, I actually forgot that it existed. But I, I do did. want to keep up with it because I did yeah. like what I, what I heard. Yeah, whatever. Blackbeard's in this episode. Bucky was in the last one, but that's okay. Uh, he's no anyway. Shikuru Chiba. That's all I have to say about that. It's, it's Mike McFarland in the new dub who is 
Mutenloji. Uh, I can see but, that then. Whatever. But, but we're not going to talk about the actually, actually, stub. Okay. <laughs> okay. 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 Anyway. Do you have any other little Japan updates for us? Um, that pretty much covers it for right now. All right. Cool. Mary, you and I actually have some DBZ updates that kind of involve, like, New York. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah we went yeah. on a, I guess you could say, a shopping spree this sort Monday. Of. We went with uh, the one and only Mr. Deluxe up into the city to see the anniversary theatrical presentation of Blade Runner, which was pretty awesome. The new transfer was pretty spectacular looking. But while we were there, of course, I'm not going to go to the city and not go to Book Off. So I picked up a whole bunch of stuff, and uh, some things are going to be available for people very soon to purchase. I picked up something very special, and I have another thing that's very special. Something that, I guess you would say older fans would probably be more interested in, just due to the age of them. More details to come. But, the next thing I have written on my outline here is, uh, Animanga. Lols. <laughs> I got two volumes of it. Oh, Mike. <laughs> You just had to buy them, didn't you? Yeah, I saw two of them book off. They were like five bucks a pop, so I grabbed them. And it's uh, volumes two and three of the first arc, the Vegeta stuff. I've only briefly flipped through them, so I don't really have any thoughts on them just yet. But just wanted to put that out there that I got those. And, of course, Sparking Meteor came in this week. So that's, you know, the big thing with Dragon Ball going on right now. This is not going to be the Sparking Meteor review episode just yet. Right, haven't pleaded enough. No, I'm only through the free to arc right now. That's all I've done so far. So I'll probably play a shit ton over the next week, and maybe we'll do another two-part review like we did with Sparking Neo. We'll uh, split up, you know, initial impressions and then final impressions of the game. And you haven't even touched it yet either, Mary. No, so. but um, you seem to be pretty okay with it so far. Um, well, we'll save our thoughts for okay. later. All I'll say so far is story mode characters talking throughout the fights is very nice. So I'll leave it at that for now. So that's it for this stuff. What's on deck for this episode? This is going to be the manga review of Awesomeness Volume 9. Perhaps? We don't know yet. Mary. Yeah? Julian. Yeah? Mike. Yeah? The three of us, we're going to do everything but the topic right now as we record. For the topic, I don't yet know how it's going to work. I don't know who's going to be here to record. I don't know if Julian's going to be here and Jeff won't. I don't know if Jeff's going to be here and Julian won't. I don't know if they'll both be here. I don't know if they both won't be here. We haven't figured this out yet. So we're going to record everything else right now. When we get to the topic, we'll cut into there, and then we'll cut back out to what we're recording right now. So that's the plan for the episode. So with that out of the way, we got news, we got a topic, we got releases, we got emails. So let's get on into it. So, we have a lot of video game news. Surprise! Some, some of it's very quick to breeze through, so we'll do some of those. Uh, Sparking Meteor scores came out in Famitsu. You know, we're actually kind of like two weeks of news here, because we did the con last week. So we're catching up a little bit. A 9, 8, 8, and 8 for the Wii, and then 8, 8, 8, 8 for the PS2. Not too shabby. That seems abnormally high. Definitely. I mean, I hope it's a good game. I, I mean, I want to be proved wrong. I want to be able to enjoy this series, but... I hear the Japanese are pretty strict with their video game rating numbers. So. You know, I always think that Fumitsu is pretty scathing with their reviews, but I see them go up and down as time goes on, so I don't really know. But regardless, they seem to like the game, so that's a pretty good sign for everyone out there waiting on it. Julian, what's the next bit of info here? We actually had uh, Rachel put this up on the forum for us, because I didn't notice it right away, but we have a little voice change. Yes, well, 
It appears that in Sparking Meteor, the voice of Namu is being portrayed by Eiji Takemoto rather than his original voice actor of Kaneto Shiazawa. I'm sure that Mr. Shiozawa does not harbor any hard feelings because he passed away in 2000. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Mary, you would know Eiji Takemoto as the voice of Rock Howard from the King of Fighters series. Oh, wow. <laughs> Is that yeah. all he's done? Uh, it's the only notable thing I could see there. <laughs> it's the only one I knew That's was right. familiar That's with. That's all right. So it's something. You know, to put a little um, connection in there, the one and only... Well, I should say, there were two people that I refer to as the motherfucking man. We have Ryusei Nakao, who did Frieza. And we have Norio Wakamoto, who did Cell. He plays Bison slash Vega in the Street Fighter games. So there's your little SNK Capcom connection. So we've got Rock versus Cell. How awesome would that be? You're such a fanboy. I know. Anyways, moving on to more Sparking Meteor slash Budokai Tenkaichi 3 news here. We have another one of those developer diary videos up on IGN. Absolutely nothing of interest. Mary, I think you might have listened to this one as I was playing it. And it was just another one of those, what is blah, blah, blah. And here's a two second response in a very typical Japanese fashion. Really nothing nothing. interesting here at all, but it's up. So you might as well check that out. Then we got some little scandalous news going on here. Ooh. I like this. So a press release came out from Atari on October 8th. And Julian, why don't you read this for us? New York, October 8th. PR Newswire first call. Atari Incorporated, ATAR on the NASDAQ, an interactive entertainment company today announced that its majority stockholder, California U.S. Holdings Incorporated, a wholly owned subsidiary of Infogrames Entertainment, S.A., removed James Ackerley, Ronald C. Bernard, Michael G. Corrigan, Dennis Guillenot, and Anne E. Cronin from the board of directors of Atari via written stockholder consent effective as of October 5th, 2007. So that's a lot of big, fancy, important words, Mike. How about you lay it down for us in English? Do you recognize the other company name in here? I do not. Should I? Yes. Oh, Infogames. Well, Infogames. Sorry, I'm getting all dyslexic here. Do you remember who they are? They um, made a game. They're actually the ones who were making the American-based video games and had, like, the distribution license over here before they kind of merged slash bought with of into Atari. You know, when Legacy of Goku came out, that was Infogrames back then. So Infogrames became a subsidiary of Atari, like, they're a company within a company, but it seemed like they had the majority of stockholders and they booted out their parent company's board of directors sort of kind of that's badass well so, no no actually it's the other way around infogrames owns atari and they booted out atari's right that's what i was getting at so we have some interesting things going on over here now of course the big question is how does this affect us as dragon ball fans well atari is the uh, one distributing the games and we've been talking for probably years at this point Every time Atari has a press release about earnings or something, you know, down, down, (laughs) down, 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 uh, we have to delay our annual report because we lost more money and we have to account for this. So maybe there's some shady things going on over there. I don't know. And again, as Dragon Ball fans, how does it affect us? Will things get delayed? Will they even come out? I have to imagine that Budokai Tenkaichi 3 or Sparking Meter is still going to come out next month for the U.S., 
I don't think this will you know really affect that that soon. But this could have some future ramifications. Is the company going to be restructured? Are they going to drop some licenses? I don't know. What do you guys think about this? This is one of those you know legalese things that we have to dive into every once in a while. Corporate wheelings and dealings. It's hard to make sense out of it. I, I, I don't know what people are going after. We don't know the inner politics of you know That's these companies. True. I think it's impossible to tell. Yeah. Same here. Okay. So uh, that's going to be the Atari news and, I guess, video game news for now. We'll leave that behind and we'll come back to it as time goes on. We have to address this one. The live-action movie details. This link has been passed around for quite some time, the last two weeks, I guess. Chud.com, C-H-U-D.com. Cinematic happenings under development. So the article here posted up on the second by Devin Faraki, Farasi. James Wong has Dragon Balls. So it's this whole article about the inside scoop on on the upcoming, you know, American live-action Dragon Ball movie and plots and all this kind of stuff. I just have to start off with Goku here. I'll read this little description and I'll probably pass out halfway through from how awful it is. Goku, 18 years old. Goku is considered uncool and unpopular at school, but he is in fact an extremely talented martial arts fighter who gets rigorous training from his grandfather, Gohan. After the death of his grandfather by the evil Lord Piccolo, Goku finds his destiny in his grandfather, blah, 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 blah. Wow. Wow. So, uh, thoughts? First of all, I have to wonder um, how credible this is. That's what I'm wondering. Like, who is this? What is this site? I've and never why should I believe you? You know what it kind of reminds me of? What's that? Is when I was like eight, I saw this really bad kung fu movie called Surf Ninjas. Oh my god, <laughs> it's one of those Surf Ninjas! Where it, 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 it's like a kung fu film capitalizing on the popularity of the idea of ninjas, even though it takes place in a rather nondescript sort of right, random right. Asia E location. That that's kind of the thing that it reminds me of. It also reminds me of like your typical sort of karate kid kind of thing, except throwing in an evil villain. Yep. You know, yeah. like kind of combining it with like a 1990s high school. After school exactly, special. exactly. It's like can't hardly wait plus three ninjas. This can't be a good thing. And then again, you know, like you were saying, this is credible. You know, the article starts off with an old and trusted scooper named Tail Gunner Joe has dropped some info on my lap. Blah, 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 blah. We don't know who this is. We don't know what this site is. Like, why should I take you seriously? When you're Maybe this Tail is a Gunner sign. Joe. I don't know, but you know this has been everywhere. We have to address it. I don't really want to pay attention to this, so I'm going to say let's not pay attention to it. Let's pretend we never read it. Yeah. This movie can't turn out well. It, even if it's moderately amusing in a horrible way, it's just going to be a bad movie. You can't make a good American movie with this material. It, I just don't It's a Hollywood it. movie being made in Canada. I mean, that uh, that's that's like sci-fi made-for-TV movies material exactly. right there. Exactly. Oh, it hurts. Let's go back to the other stuff in the podcast outline. So, so bad. So let's talk about other stuff. Let's talk about Mike spending money. No! Get it back! <laughs> so uh, we posted this up on the homepage this week. Right Stuff is having a little clearance going on. It's actually looking through their deals. There's a lot of good stuff over there. And I was adding a couple other things until I saw all the Dragon Ball stuff. Lots of DVDs ranging between $3 and $6. Not too shabby. I have to ask. Yes. What other stuff did they have? Uh, I was actually going to pick up the AD Police OVA because it was super cheap. Uh, it's a prequel to Bubblegum Crisis. I'll just rent that. Yeah, I know, but it was cheap. <laughs> um, all the EPO DVDs are like six or seven bucks. Ah. Which 
isn't too bad itself. No. Uh, for Dragon Ball specifically, all of the single movies they have are four ninety nine. The GT discs are like four bucks, maybe. All the Ultimate Uncut Edition DVDs are two ninety nine. There's some great deals over there. If you have to fill in a couple holes, this is a great way to do it. I picked up, uh, I think, four GT DVDs, all of the Great Saiyaman set, which is the Anioi Chibidokai and the Great Saiyaman stuff, and one or two other things I can't remember. So check that out oh. if you're looking for some stuff. Oh, hey, they've got a Del Rey sale going on, too. You know, right stuff in general is pretty expensive, except for things that are on sale, and their sales are phenomenal. Check them out. Free plug, I guess. That's going to wrap up the news as far as I can tell. Anyone got anything else to add? No. No. Well, uh, I guess if that wraps up the news, we're going to cut it on over to the topic. Uh, Maybe. So here we are recording a manga review of Awesomeness Topic, and, you know, as you heard, we already did the entire rest of the episode. So it was going to be interesting seeing who would be here for this recording. So uh, let's go around and say who's here. Yes, that's that's me. That's Mike Vegito EX. Over here to my lesson, proverbial right, that's the Mary. I am proverbial to your right. <laughs> True enough. I am to your right. Present. The non-filthy liar is here, Julian. Yes, well, I told you I, I was going to be here for the manga review of Awesomeness, so there. Awesome, I love it. And then, uh, miraculously showing up, Jeff is here too. That's right. What's up, man? How you doing? I'm all right. Awesome, 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 awesome manga of awesomeness review therein somewhere. <laughs> For those of you who haven't caught up with what we're doing here, every month we go one volume through the manga and do a little review, and it's got some awesomeness in there. We go chapter by chapter, give you a little synopsis of uh, what goes on, what happens, etc., and then we get all sorts of different perspectives on it. You have Julian and myself who have read it before, Julian uh, skimming through it in Japanese as well as English, Uh, myself, you know, obviously just reading the English, but, you know, flipping through pretty pictures in Japanese too. Mary is a Dragon Ball fan for 10 plus years. You haven't read this before, though. Right. And you've actually never seen it either. Nope. I haven't seen or watched. After this, this stuff. you've seen yes. in the TV form. But uh-huh. this particular arc, well, I guess a little mini arc, you have no familiarity with. Mm-hmm. Cool. And then we get our buddy Jeff over here, who is reading through the manga with us for the first time ever in his life. That is correct. So I, I always enjoy hearing what you have to say, because you, you pick up things that we just completely gloss over as Dragon Ball fans. I think that's kind of coming with the territory. Like, the first time you see things, you just sort of pick out all the odds and ends. Right. And, you know, I'm going to have a different perspective from anybody here so definitely yeah if you guys don't see stuff i'm gonna pick it up good deal so let's go through here volume nine if you're going through the tongue cool bone julian you don't have the constant button in front of you but do you remember off the top of your head whereabouts it is it well it start. it picks up after the end of the red ribbon fight right and right then it, it goes until i think almost the end of the stuff at uranai babas but not quite Does that sound right to you yeah so thereabouts okay. what 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 constant bond do you think that is Oh, jeez. Probably um, 7 slash 8, if I All had right. to guess. Sounds about right. These are going to be chapters 97 through 108, getting into the triple digits here. So let's pick right up at 97. Goku has defeated the entire Red Ribbon Army, and he's got six Dragon Balls. Apparently the radar is broken again, though. He can't find where the seventh one is. He's tapping, tapping, nothing's really happening here. And then off in the distance, we've got Yamcha and company. They're kind of arriving on the scene. They want to help out, but they don't really have a plan about what they're going to do here, so they're kind of discussing what's going on. All of a sudden, Goku flies overhead in the distance. 
distance, though. So they kind of wave him down, like, hey, hey, what's going on? Come on down here. We're going to help you out. What are you doing? Uh, Goku already took care of everything by himself, beat the entire Red Ribbon Army. So at this point, they decide, uh, all right, let's go back to Kami House. I guess our job is uh, a little bit done. Of course, they want to fix the Dragon Radar. Bulma can't really do anything out in the middle of nowhere here. Now, when they get back, the radar is not actually broken. It's working fine. So Bulma decides someone, something, some, something must have swallowed the last Dragon Ball because I guess biological element things would prevent the radar from picking it up. That's a little weird. Just a bit. Although if you go through airport security, it kind of makes sense in some way. I guess the Dragon Radar doesn't have X-ray stuff. But you'd think if that was the case, then why wouldn't other things also obscure the signature, like being buried in the cave in the middle of the sea? something. Yeah, I wonder I that know. myself. I don't know. That's weird. Kamisenin suggests they head to Udunai Baba. Julian, break down the, uh, the I guess the words, plural here for us. So, Uranai is fortune telling. So, using whatever elements you wish to use to read the future. Gotcha. Baba is like a diminutive form that means like old lady, old hag, bag, gotcha. you know. Not not necessarily the most polite thing to say. Um uh, yeah. Cool. So uh, Goku, Kididin, and Yamcha decide they're going to take off and go this place and take care of stuff. Because they want to find the last Dragon Ball. And uh, this person will help them locate it. So we're on to chapter 98. They're uh, cracking jokes about Goku's outfit and his clothes and his smell. Apparently he's uh, a little dirty and stinky here. Goku tries on the new outfit. And this is a very, very funny little shot of him. Everyone's laughing at him. But he just wants his normal clothes. So I guess the tailor there says, oh, I can just make you a replica and uh, he says oh do you want the same turtle symbol here and Goku's like yeah I want one on the front too you gotta fix that up for me so he's getting that done they need to waste some time while the new clothes are being made so Goku decides to fly off and get Upa and uh Upa's never left his little village area before (laughs) I like that little comment about he's kind of sheltered Goku remarks that oh he used to be the same way he never really left his home before so he brings back Upa and Kudidin says oh she's pretty cute I said the same thing (laughs) oh it's horrible so now we have the whole discussion about male versus female. Once again, Goku remarks that he's starting to be able to tell the difference on his own here. Good stuff. And Goku also scratches himself. He's changing his clothes. He's just scratching his balls and getting <laughs> naked. Winky's <laughs> hanging out all over the place. Oy. <laughs> so now they fly off and uh, they arrive at the building. It's kind of in the middle of nowhere. Is it in a desert area? I'm not really sure. I don't remember off the top of my head. I mean, you know, it's it's Muten Roshi's older sister, so maybe they just have a knack for being out in the middle of nowhere. That makes sense. So they get down there. There's a lot of strong guys, but there's also a couple of rich people. I guess you would say rich-looking people coming out. He's like, oh, so that's where I left it. Oh. He's got like the monocle and twirling his little what, the mustache. the mustache thing going on there? No, not really, but I'm pretty sure he has a monocle there. So now they're confused. They're like, all right, there are these tough guys here, but there's these people as well. What's going on? There's that cute little ghost thing. Does it have a name? I can't remember. But it kind of, like, organizes everything outside. I love it. it it's like, like the referee of the yeah, matches, too. It's in a, a loading screen for some game somewhere. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I love it. And they hear screams from the inside after these tough guys go in. So now they're really thinking, all right, what's going on? on here. These tough guys come out all beat up and it's their turn to go in next and see Baba. And she's, uh, I guess she looks like Roshi's sister. She's old, wrinkly. She's his older sister. I kind of 
not that they didn't look anything alike. Yeah, I can see that as well, but eh, it's Toriyama. I guess it's because we don't see Roshi's eyes that often. Oh, very true. We only see his eyes when he's Jackie Chun. You know, I, I think, interestingly, when she first appears in the anime, she's voiced by a man, but then later Mayumi Tanaka picks up for the voice. Oh, okay. Interesting. She's yeah. going to charge them <laughs> 10 million zenny to get the answer where this last Dragon Ball is, so that's why those rich people are there walking out unscathed. But instead of paying, what they can do is a series of fights against their warriors, and as we'll find out, there'll be four warriors, or five, actually, that's the catch here. They have to fight against. So now we're on to chapter 99. They decide they're going to fight with just the three of them. Upa and Puar, who's also with them, is going to sit out here. The rules are you either beg for mercy or fall into the lake. That's when you're out. So Kinnadin is first up, and he fights the Dracula Man, who uh, flies in as a bat and transforms into his kind of strange, tweaky, skitsy, weird kind of guy with spiky hair. And uh, Kudadin decides, oh, I'm just going to go light on him. He's doing that kind of pompous thing over there in the ring. But the guy... (laughs) transforms back and forth between the bird and or not the bird the bat he comes in and bites him on the head he's got blood (laughs) flying all over the place goku makes a funny comment about "Ah, it looks like he grew hair because his blood is squirting out all the holes on there (laughs) he's able to get him off by kind of like jumping up and backwards as if he's gonna land on his head but the guy jumps out of the way so he does land on his actual head blood's everywhere he's all wobbly and unfortunately he gets kicked into the lake and uh, that's the end of that fight. So now they ask uh. if all five of them perhaps could fight here, because I guess if Kudadin is out, maybe they need some extra help. So Upa and Puar jump in as a team. Baba's going to allow this. It's pretty interesting. So Upa takes this uh, deep breath and lets it all out, and apparently just ate garlic or something, because <laughs> it, uh, it affects him as a vampire. And then uh, goes after Puar, who turns into a porcupine and bites and hurts himself. Chomp, ouch, is what I wrote on my outline. So then Upa just kind of stretches his arms out to the side, and he's like, what are you doing? I'm a cross. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, vampires have a problem with crosses, so he goes to fly off, but Puar transforms into this hand and slaps him down into the lake. And that is the greatest (laughs) fight in the entire series. Actually, I don't think it's Puar. I think it's the ghost uh, referee guy who actually uh, transformed into the hand. I'm not sure. I think it's Puar. Is it Puar? I I always read it as Puar, yeah. Okay, you know, now that I think about it, it does look like his uh, face, but the first time I read it, I actually thought it was the referee, like, uh, you know, intervening and going, no, you can't fly off, you know? <laughs> oh, I can see. All right, all right. I think it's poor, though. I almost wanted to say, like, Master Glove from the Smash Brothers series. It's kind of smacking you around. But that's the end of that chapter. So now we're on to chapter 100 of the series. Yamcha's going to take over the fight, but the opponent is already there. He's up against the Invisible Man. Gets uh, smacked around a bit, and he just can't figure out what to do here. So Kududin tells Goku, hurry up, go get Bulma and Kamisenin and bring him back here right now. So Goku's like, uh, okay. He flies off in Kintone, and Baba makes this comment like, oh, he's got the cloud. Who is that kid? So Yamcha's trying to detect the movement, like little minute air movements. He'll try to figure out where the guy is. He actually gets in and attacks, so that's pretty good. But then Baba starts singing and totally messes up his concentration. Yeah. He can't do it. Then uh, Goku arrives back, and Kududin, he 
he puts everyone into very specific places around the edge of the oh, ring. Dear. He's like, all right, you stand here. You look up a little bit. You turn this way. I'm almost like, but I can't see anything this way. And then he runs around behind her, pulls her shirt down. Kami Sanin is in perfect position where his head is tilted up just the right way. Blood squirts all over the ring, <laughs> all over the invisible man, which makes him visible and allows Yamcha to use the Roga Fufu Ken and uh, win the match for himself. Very, very smart fighting going on. We got the cross, which is probably one of my favorite scenes. I just like that. What are you? I'm a cross. <laughs> we get the blood all over the invisible man so that takes care of that fight so we're on to chapter 101 this is where we actually learn that she is the older sister of Kami Sanin there's going to be no favors going on here it's not gonna just oh can you tell me where the Dragon Ball is now not gonna do that they kind of have this sibling rivalry going on it's kind of interesting for this next fight they're going to change arenas in the Viz translation it's called the Devil's Cesspool Julian do you happen to remember if it had any kind of a different name over in Japanese I think it's called the devil's toilet if memory serves oh but I, that's I funny too me. i like both <clears throat> well you notice there's like like what like a big stone toilet paper roll, roll i was just stone. looking at that <laughs> yeah and they're sitting on giant toilets nice so <laughs> this arena i guess you would say it's kind of like this inside place where these two monster demon things with their tongues hanging out and that forms like this narrow walkway across over this pile of acid slash poop We'll say it's, I like the toilet translation. We'll say it's a pile of poop down below that kind of burns you alive. Doesn't Baba like toss some piece <laughs> of meat down in there? Just like, look, this is what will happen if you fall down here. Obviously, if you fall yep. down there, you lose. So the next opponent is the mummy. Yamcha tries to be quick about this. So he's like, oh, I'm going to just rush in the attack, get this taken care of. But his opponent's pretty fast, too. He uh, gets hit and he almost falls in, but he manages to grab on to a little tongue thing at the last second. Just uh, kind of generic closing here, like, hold Holding on, oh, is that all you had? Dun, dun, dun. So chapter 102. This is uh, somewhat of an action-oriented chapter. Yamcha continues his attack, but nothing's really good. He ends up getting kneed in the stomach. But Yamcha's good at this kind of stuff, where if he's in a pinch, he'll try to do whatever he can. What he does here is he kind of reaches out an arm and trips the mummy, who ends up falling down into the pit. And he looks very concerned for a second until he gets that little shit-eating grin on his face, and he sends one of his bandages up into the air, and it grabs on to the tongue thing he's able to launch himself back up there and uh that's going to end up being the match for Yamcha because he gets a couple good hits that's it end of the fight Yamcha's gotta give up but now it's Goku's turn and so the mummy and Goku are looking at each other it's like wow there's no opening in that kid's defense so chapter 103 Goku just lets him attack he takes every single hit he throws at him but he's able to get right back up looks like there's no problems whatsoever he walks up all imposing looking and he dodges a punch and hits him right in the gut and then that's the end of that fight Goku wins which is the one hit. I always love those kind of Goku fights. Everyone's commenting <laughs> on Goku's new strength, like, oh, we've never seen this before. What has he been doing? So now there's two opponents left. They're kind of waiting in the wings over there. One's this devil-looking guy, and the other's just, like, this short old man wearing a fox mask. Uh, the devil guy comes out, and his name is Akuman. Julian, what is... Well, I know what it means, but, you know, there's a little bit of a Street Fighter connection. Okay. Break down the name. So the name of the uh, guy in the devil suit is Akuman, and... 
uh, that it, I guess you could say it means something along the lines of devil man. Akuma means something like demon or devil. Right. Although Akuman with the double K is also the name that Toriyama later used in one of his one shots for this trunks looking guy. So uh, Toriyama forgets that he uses things. Quite a bit. <laughs> He's already used his name before. Um, nice. Well, he used it later on. Right. 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 In a one shot. But, so um, yeah. So you got this guy that dressed in a devil suit and I guess he you could say that he is the devil I guess they seem to be inferring that sort of which I don't know how much stock we can take in that because we have some very devil more demonic characters later on but we'll get to those like in a Mr. couple Satan. of years yeah well yeah Mr. Satan exactly <laughs> So he comes out, and uh, Kamisani notes that, oh, he's usually, I think his phrase in the Viz translation is like, uh, Baba's right-hand man. So if he is the most important one, then who's this old guy over here? So Akamon attacks, but Cuckoo just kind of kicks him away, and that's the end of that chapter. So chapter 104, some more action going on, some more attacks. No real problems for Goku. He flies up, panting Akamon here. He's like, ah, oh, I can't really do anything here. Goku's absolutely fine. Kamisenin notes that Akamon is actually a two-time winner of the Tenkaichi Budokai. So we have some, uh, I guess, backstory going on a little bit here. Normally, all we see of the Budokai is just the characters we're familiar with. And we hear, you know, we see Mr. Satan show up, and obviously, you know, he had some importance later on. But it's interesting to see this little, almost toss-aside comment about this guy winning it twice. We have a new attack, though. Akumon is going to unleash this attack. Julian, do you remember the name of it? Uh, I believe it was the Akumaito Kosen, which is roughly like the Devil Might Ray or something like that. With might being not exactly clear what it means, but I guess you could say potential, like potential for evil. Well, that makes sense, because the whole deal with this attack is... Kind of concentrates on you and he expands upon whatever evil you have inside of you and he makes it expand to the point of you exploding so that's a really awesome technique so he uses this attack on goku and he's like all right explode explode come on anytime now explode and goku just kind of stands there like Durr. <laughs> apparently goku has no evil within him whatsoever i think baba makes some comment like oh he's just a child or an animal or something like that so this doesn't work then he makes his uh pitchfork out of thin air good stuff going on there it's like his final attack but goku just kicks him so fast that even kami didn't even see the attack so get some more of that goku's speed and strength unparalleled going on. So now we're into chapter 105. It's time for the last opponent. The old man comes out. He suggests that they go back outside to the arena so they can really have an all-out match. Goku thinks that he has a pretty nice smell to him. I think the Viz translation is like, a happy smell. Kudu then says, like, you say some really weird things. So uh, the two teams converge. You got Baba and the old man, and then Goku and all of them. They're all talking. Kami Senin thinks he sounded really familiar, but he can't put his finger on who that guy is. So they bow to each other, and they begin the match. Goku goes first, and every single one of his attacks are blocked. And uh, he gets hit, but he rebounds off of that and gets a kick in. And that's really where that chapter ends. So we're into 106. They're attacking back and forth. He throws Goku up in the air. They kind of jumps up like this, like hands down at his side, very full force, jump up into the air, and he kicks over himself and kicks Goku back into the ground. I'm doing slight motions here to try and remind myself and reenact it, except I'm sitting still. So I'm kicking over myself by slightly lifting my foot off the ground. Just wanted to put that out there. <laughs> anyway, what what a what a great way of getting the audience to understand what's going on. Exactly. I'm definitely understanding right now. <laughs> so Goku thank, thank- hits the ground, but he bursts back up and uh, he kicks the old man into a building. 
So the old man decides to jump in here with this full force kick. Goku kind of clenches up his body and just takes the attack. And he's like, oh, wow, he was able to take that. No problem. What's up here? And then the old man starts the Kamehameha. Good stuff. Uh, Goku uses the Zanzoken to avoid the attack. A little after image stuff going on. So they're kind of impressing each other back and forth. So now we're into chapter 107. Two left in the volume here. Goku fires his own Kamehameha at the guy. The man is kind of shocked to see that himself. He dodges it, but Goku rushes in with a knee, and he kind of gets in a really good attack there, and he's like, all right, I'm going to deliver the final blow. you got to give up now. And then we just have this shot of uh, the old man holding his tail. They're like, oh, that's his weak point. Kamehameha's like, I didn't even know that was his weak point. What's going on here? They're all like, oh, I guess we forgot about that. Oh, crap. So Kamehameha notes, uh, well, this guy must have already known that that was his weak point. How do you just randomly discover this all of a sudden? So he slams Goku He's holding his tail. He's just kind of slamming him back and forth on the ground. And then we have this great shot of a satellite up in space. Pilaf and company are out in the middle of somewhere watching this little monitor of the fight going on. He's like, oh, the kid's got a weak point. Now we can go beat him. So they decide they're going to go steal the rest of the Dragon Balls because the deal here is Pilaf has the seventh Dragon Ball. He's got it in this box, and apparently this box is preventing the radar from picking up its location. So they hop in the car, they drive off, they're going to go to Baba's, they're going to steal the Dragon Balls because Goku's got a weak point. You know, I just want to mention something real <laughs> quick actually looking at this. Yeah. Uh, when they look at the, the screen with uh, Goku in the fight, uh-huh. like next to the radar that they're looking with, there's like a suitcase with food. They're having a picnic. <laughs> <laughs> and like in the middle of a picnic, they decided to look on the in this fight. This is awesome. Pilaf at his best here. Then we cut back over to the fight, and we learn who the fighter is. Kamisenin tells us that this is Son Gohan, Goku's deceased grandfather. Gasp, shock, awe. And as this is going on, Goku's tail kind of snaps off. Aw, shit. So we're into the last chapter of the volume, chapter 108. So Goku's screaming. Oh, He's like, ah, my tail popped off. What's going on here? And uh, Kamisenin is explaining to everyone that yeah that's Gohan. He's dead, but he's got the halo, so he's here. Goku is mad, and he's ready to attack, but Gohan just gives up. Just kind of looks at him and says, nope, I give up. And he comments on how strong Goku has become, and I warned you about that tale. You had to do something about that. He takes off his mask, and Goku glomps him. It's Grandpa Gohan. He's like, oh, yeah. You're like snuggling up oh, into his oh. face. It's very cute. It's Very, cute. very cute. Yeah. And this is where we get the explanation that Baba can bring someone back over to Earth for one day. You know, you're dead, you get this one-day period where you can come back, and she can read the future. So there was this whole deal going on where he said, if this kid with a tail comes, uh, come get me, and I'll come back, and I'll do this for you, and blah, blah, blah. Get this little backstory. They tell him about uh, the story of the Dragon Balls because he was surprised to see more than just the one. So everyone's kind of giving a little bit of backstory back and forth. Upa's, I love Upa. He's so worried that the wish is very selfish to bring his own father back when Grandpa Gohan is dead. And he's like, oh, well, you should bring back your grandfather. But Gohan's just like, oh, don't worry about it. I'm having lots of fun. There's lots of nice hotties in the afterlife. I'm doing fine. Upa's just like, <laughs> oh, okay. Like, doesn't really comment on this, but other people do. And they're like, ah, oh, you, Roshi, ah, I see the connection here. So uh, everyone 
everyone says their goodbyes, and it's time for the Dragon Ball, you know, I guess, story to really happen here. Baba looks and sees that the Dragon Ball is actually in a car coming close to them. Goku's all excited, like, ah, oh, yes, we're going to finally get this taken care of. And uh, they still can't see the Dragon Ball on the radar, but it's coming, and we end with a shot of Goku. Ta-da. And that is Volume 9. So... Thoughts. I'm going to start with Mary, because you were the Dragon Ball fan that had not read this before. That's right. What are your thoughts on this, like, mini-arc volume? You know, I really wasn't sure what to expect going into it. I know, you know, this is in the anime, and I really had no interest in it. Mm -hmm. I know that Grandpa Gohan was in it, but even despite that, I'm like, yeah, whatever, if I get to it, I'll get to it. But this had everything. It really did. That action comedy, and it was heartwarming. Yeah, definitely. Great. <laughs> yeah, and fan service, right. Yes, and boobies. <laughs> and the boobies. And the boobies. Uh, let me ask you, which was your favorite fight of, of all of these? Um, gotta be the one with uh, poor... <laughs> and Upa. <laughs> I love just the short, stubby arms at the sides. You can't beat that. Fantastic. Good stuff. Yeah. Uh, Julian, you don't have it right in front of you, but I know you're pretty familiar with this. How do you feel about this volume? Oh, I, I, I thought that it was a lot of fun, kind of unpredictable, and just a lot of funny comedy type mm-hmm. things, but also heartwarming in the end. Jeff, let me ask you. You just now read this, mm-hmm. yeah. and now we're talking about it. Yep. What I'd like to discuss with you coming into reading the series for the first time, things like uh, the pacing and Toriyama, where he's heading with the story, how it feels in comparison to the previous issues. This is a very self-contained, like, one-volume story, which is pretty different for, from what we've seen previously. How did that compare to the last couple volumes for you? This is kind of what Toriyama needed to do to keep my interest. Really? Because especially since the last couple of volumes was all around this one thing and it kind of just ended. Uh And then this one was sort of like getting my attention back into the series Mm -hmm. because it was really waning off after uh, volume eight for whatever reason. I think it was because of meandering a bit. Mm -hmm. And then finally with this one, it was like, you know, we have this one era, this whole arc in one volume. Right. And it's just start, middle, and it was just flawless all the way through. Well, since it is one volume, how did the pacing in here feel compared? You were talking about the Red Ribbon Army story kind of meandering around a bit. Very self-contained, so how did that feel? Well, I think because it was all contained in this one volume, there was uh, not a lot of room to stretch in terms of, like, story, you know? Right. Like, they didn't really give any time for, like, uh, character development at mm-hmm. all, really. Like, I mean, we just know that... Uh, what's her name? The old crone is uh, just Mountain Roshi's sister, but that's really it. Right. Like, we don't know anything else about her. Right, and like I was saying with Akamon, we have that one comment, oh, he won the Budokai twice, and like, that's it. Right. Let's kind of move on from there. I mean, at some point, that's really the only stuff you need to hear. Right. You know, right. whereas in Red Ribbon, they were taking ten minutes to talk about a guy who's going to die anyway. <laughs> and it's just like, it, it just really didn't end up to be anything. Mm-hmm. And so in this one, I thought just thought it was nicely, perfectly contained and... You know, there was just... Okay, there were Bulma boobies, all right? Let me just bring it out there. There were Bulma (laughs) boobies and they were hot. Right. They were awesome. It got my attention right away. But that's like... It's something that you don't see a lot in the series. And especially when it got to those later volumes, there wasn't enough of that slump humor Uh, that we keep referring to. And even that made an appearance here. I think it was like just all the elements that I liked about the early volumes Mm kind of came back in this one and wasn't so serious. Right. It was combined with... uh, the more action-oriented things we're starting to see, like uh, very, very physical combat, lots of techniques going on, 
but he did pull in a lot of that just hilarious comedy just those kind of like one frame did i really just see that kind of comedy but there wasn't a whole lot of gross out humor with the possible exception of the blood all over the invisible man that's true but even then like that was really clever so it kind of gets a get out of jail free card yeah, well, I mean, that I really aspect. love uh, I love Kuririn having just the blood coming out of his head <laughs> yes, and Goku yes. saying, oh, look, it's your new hair. <laughs> this is awesome. Uh, I think there was just a lot of great moments like that that just sort uh-huh. of made this a, a really good volume. And uh, in terms of where it could go from here, well, well that's what I want to talk about. Because yeah. this is a very transitional volume. Right. You can probably tell that because it's a self-contained story. I mean, if you take it back to Weekly Jump, it... There were no volumes. It was just kind of story, but it very conveniently all fits into this one volume. So you know this is going to go somewhere. So let me ask you: We have the seventh Dragon Ball coming towards us. Where do you think the story can head from here? Well, let's see. They're going to fight Pilaf, right? Because he has the seventh ball. And uh, if logic assumes so, they get it. And uh, so and so's what's his name? Apu. Apu. Um, Upa's father. Upa. His name is Bora. I'm saying Apu, and it's Upa. <laughs> well, it's because I was playing Sparky Media earlier, and I was fighting guy. I was like, ha-ha, I'm fighting Apul. <laughs> so. There we go. Yeah, so so Upa's dad, I would only figure, would be resurrected. I'm uh-huh. not really sure how long that's going to take, though. I mean, because we've already dealt with Pilaf before, and that was like half a volume, I think. And so that's probably... One. And Pilaf yeah. hasn't gotten any stronger. No, <laughs> he hasn't really. And he won't, including into GT. That's so great. <laughs> it really is. It's like every time he's just going to fail more spectacularly every time we see him. Yes, he will. He will it's, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. Uh, you know, I, though, interestingly enough, as I was reading this, I was kind of thinking that it might not make a very good series of episodes in the anime form. Mm-hmm. But it, I mean, it worked incredibly well in the manga because it was all self-contained. Right. But I didn't think it would do too well as like anime episodes. It would feel like filler. Which yeah. Is maybe it, why I wouldn't. Would. I didn't care about ever watching it. Right. Well, you were saying that, but you enjoyed reading it. Oh right yeah. Now. Right. Yeah. Well, Just probably because I I felt the same way as Jeff. Where at the end of the Red Ribbon arc, it was like, okay, you know, I like Tao Pai Pai and stuff, but it's just kind of okay. I'm ready for this to be over. Let's have something new. And yeah, definitely a good read, but. I don't know about being a good watch. I can see them easily dragging it out longer than they need to in the animated version. I definitely think that some of the visual gags were probably, like, because they had to be omitted for the anime, you know, and they can get away with that stuff in the manga that it's certainly, uh, like, some of the jokes that are in the manga uh, made it carry along better than what's in the series, whereas in the Red Ribbon arc, that would make much more sex for the TV series than to have it in manga. So, Jeff, what do you logically see beyond Pilaf and the Bora? Wh- what do you think is going to happen in the series here? Where-, where can it go from here? You always say, you know, we've done a good bit with these particular characters. What-, what kind of situations can we get them in? So what kind of situations do you see in the future? Well, let's see. If this is anything like the video game Spore... Let's see, you conquer the the whole genome region, then you conquer the species region, then the city region, and now you go intergalactic. And I've seen parts of Z, I know it's going to go intergalactic. Right. But, you know, we haven't gotten there yet, so uh-huh. I can only assume that at some point we're going to get some, some space involvement, but I don't even know how far that's going to be. I mean, I'm looking right now at just the stack of manga that you have, and I'm seeing 16 coming up. 
and right. then after that it goes to Z. Right. And I know there's space stuff in Z. Yes. So if anything is heading in that direction, but that's <laughs> really all I can predict right now. Uh-huh. Uh, if anything, we already know that Goku is gathering a lot of strength at this point, right. and he's still not at his strongest. He's only a boy at this point. Right. So um, I'm sure, if anything, it'll just be like more training, more fighting. Um, but even like at this point, after they get the seventh ball, I'm not really sure what could come in as like a you know as like an enemy mm-hmm. that later on. Like unless the red ribbon were to rejoin or something, you know. Right. You're talking about Goku's oh. strength, and it's becoming bigger and bigger, more powerful and more powerful. What do you see coming up against that to keep that in check? I have no idea at this point. Great, because I am so looking forward to the rest of the series, rest of Dragon Balls fucking amazing i cannot wait to read it with you awesome yes anyone else have any kind of closing comments on volume nine little it's not filler but it's like this side arc mary you got something no it's just i really really enjoyed it more than i have since maybe volume six or seven Mm -hmm. agreed this is a very fantastic easy light read julian how about you uh i just want to say that just comments are more prophetic than he realizes so (laughs) (laughs) yeah excellent i always love hearing what jeff has to say looking at him and trying to not like laugh at the same time and smirk and be like but i want to spoil the series for you can't say anything she'll just read it next month can I just like rewind to the previous episode and play that sample back and then go, well, here we are in space. <laughs> go ahead, Julian, though. What else do you have to say about this uh, one? Uh, but I, I really like this volume. It's one of my favorites. I agree. Good stuff. So I guess we all collectively feel like, all right, Toriyama really nailed this one. He pulled in all of the different aspects that he's uh, been practicing at and really nailed it here. So we're all looking forward to Volume 10. So we will check it out next month with Volume 10 of the Dragon Ball manga. With nips. With nips. Nips. What are you talking about? Cover. Oh, the cover of the... I love that shot. It's (laughs) such a good shot. Huh. Nips. (laughs) Anyways... So uh, we're going to cut back over to the rest of the episode here, which, as you know, we've already recorded. So, Jeff, thank you for uh, showing up and doing this with us. Ain't no problem. Always enjoy having you here. It's going to be a lot easier next month, you know, Mike. I know. Wink, wink. (laughs) See you next month. Uh So now it's time for the rest of the releases for October, I guess it is? Yes, it's October. Yes, it is October already. Good deal. We already had a couple things coming out. Of course, Spark and Meteor came out, but we'll go through the rest of the month. I got a little link here over to uh, Amazon France. Why don't we check this out and see what's coming out on October 18th? Looks like a whole lot of box sets. Yeah, it looks like they've got sort of combination either box sets or just ultra-compact DVD things. Because they've got like volumes 1 to 8, 19 to 27, 10 to 18. Cool. It's a lot of Z, a lot of GT that's coming out over here. So if you're in France and you haven't picked up a lot of stuff, maybe this is a good way to grab a whole lot of it. So uh, taking it over from France to Spain, we'll stay over there in Europe. Mary, what we got's on the 24th of October? In Spain, near a remastered uh, volume of the DVDs. It's up to number 15 now. It's a two-disc box set. This set contains DBZ episodes uh, numbers 118 through 125, titled La Saga de Sail, which technically is, you know, the Trunks episodes going into the early Jinzoningen arc. And 
and it's uh, 2495 euros. And you can find more info at zonadvd.com. And then we got one last thing coming out this month, October 30th. It's uh, apparently no longer The Magic Begins. It's just Dragon Ball on the cover. But this is that live-action Chinese movie, the so-called Ultimate Edition, coming out, quote, remastered and with all new special effects. Mary, what we're going to have to do... Is make a music video? Uh, maybe. <laughs> when we get this in, because you know we're going to get it. No. Is convince as many people to come over as we can, serve as much alcohol as we possibly can, get everyone to watch it, and record some thoughts afterwards. <laughs> I like it. That, that should be our awesome. 100th episode. Nah, I already got plans for it. It's not going to be out by then anyways. Aw. 104 Actually, for our two-year anniversary. I'll figure it out. But uh, that's coming out. It's 11:24 for pre-order over on Right Stuff, so that's pretty cheap. And uh, I guess that wraps up October's releases. So we'll take it over to the emails. Mary. Uh-huh. Why don't you read the first email here from Mushfik from Singapore? Mushfik. Wow, that's interesting. Anyway, they write, because I don't know if it's a he or she. He or she writes. I'm pretty sure it's a guy. Okay. He writes, Firstly, I want to say to Vegeta Wex that I really enjoyed your AMV about Yagami Lighto from Death Note. Uh, I was looking for a Death Note AAVs and found it. Song matched the scenario perfectly. Well, my question to Daizen X is this. I wanted to know what the original manga and or any authentic source says concerning Master Roshi's long life. I mean, he really had a ridiculously long life. He lived for more than 400 years, I think. And in the early part of Dragon Ball in the other English dub, not Funimations, Turtle tells Master Roshi that he supposedly drank water from the Fountain of Youth? But in the Funimation dub, Master Roshi admits he never drank any sort of life-sustaining potion, quote-unquote, in the King Piccolo saga. So if Roshi never drank any kind of potion, why does he have such a long life? I don't think super strength is the answer, because Tenshin Han, Kuririn, Yamcha, Gohan, etc., who are all much stronger than Roshi, had a life less than 100 years. Explain! Well, uh, I turned over to the Viz manga because it was actually a relatively decent translation. So, in volume 13, chapter 145, it's uh, Kami and Tenshin Han, they're you know, coming up to fight Piccolo Daimo. And uh, Kami Senin says something, oh, don't worry about it, I, I drank this thing, I can't die, I'm not gonna die, whatever. Then he knocks out Tenshin Han, and he says, oh, I was lying about that, blah, 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 blah. So, Julian, do you have any other insight into what's going on here? Well, yeah, I think it's way back in the uh, early part of the manga. They do mention that he drank some kind of elixir of immortality, and I think that's kind of used as the excuse why he doesn't die, for example, when Chi-Chi puts a blade into his skull. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, they already have the joke that the immortal phoenix died from eating poison bird seeds. So <laughs> right. they're already playing with the notion of what is immortal, what is not. But I think more in general, the story of Senin in general in uh, Chinese and more broadly Asian mythology is you have these Taoist masters who have become so adept at what they do that they have power over life and death itself so that they can keep themselves sustained for as long as they want, I guess. And so I guess that's kind of what Toriyama's riffing on with the idea that this guy's lived so long. Plus, I mean, come on, what's a martial arts story without a really old wizened who's exactly. also perfect? So uh, I guess the whole deal is that he's lying about drinking something. It sounded like he was using that just as an excuse not to worry, I'll take care of it. 
kind of put his mind at ease a little bit and then just go out there and do the noble thing. It doesn't seem like him at all. Noble? Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> now, when it comes down to it, you know, it's a lot of interactions between him and Tenshinhan, actually. It gets very serious and very down-to-earth and very realistic. So I kind of like the dynamic between those two characters. Good stuff. Yeah, I agree. So uh, I guess I'll read the next email here, and this will actually be the last email for the week. This comes to us from Lavender Cyan, or Cyan, however you want to say it. Recently on the X forums, there was a topic started about the pronunciation of Goku's name in the original Japanese anime, as opposed to the English dub. I notice how you're suddenly pronouncing everything properly for the well, sake of this email. Well, this is going to be an interesting conversation. Continuing onwards, yet I noticed that even you guys pronounce the names as they are in the dub. Hmm. So my question is, since you were so against the dub, why do you choose to pronounce it that way? Also, is there a real difference between the two, or is it just a matter of accent? So my personal feeling about this is that it has a lot to do with pronunciation systems of the separate languages. They have their own phonological inventories with the sounds that people do and eventually can make, because as you become acclimated to your native language, it becomes increasingly hard for you to make the sounds and even distinguish the sounds that occur in languages other than yours that do not occur in your own. So in some respects, it's uh, people speaking English trying to cope with the patterns and sounds that to them are simply not natural. And it's one of the hurdles you have to overcome when you're learning a language. But, and a lot of this has to do with syllabic emphasis. Uh, particularly in Japanese, there is no real um, stress accent, but there is pitch accent. And particularly with the long vowel in, in Son Goku, right. it comes up. Um, <clears throat> so you have Son Goku, where is in English you're tempted to read that as Son Goku, because we tend to put the stress on words closer to the front. Now, I actually um, want to interrupt you for a second. I think a lot of what people are talking about... and. From what we heard in the dub when you know when we would pay attention to it, it often comes out as something like Gyoku. Yeah. It's like that yeah kind of thing going Gyoku. on there. So oh, that even I think it I, I always thought it had something to do with the dub being made in Texas, but yeah, that too. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> so if you really want to be accurate about it, break down the kanji. The first is son, and then there's go, and then ku. It's a double u sound there. It's an elongated u sound. It's it's a high back u, but it's compressed rather than rounded, so it's an u rather than an u. Right, right, right. Yes. So if I really wanted to kind of do that pronunciation, I would say something like son goku, you know? But I would just say son goku. As time has gone on, there's a lot of pronunciations I've been very conscious about trying to adapt over the years. I remember early on when I was, it was like one of those dark little secrets was I would typically say aloud Krillin because I had such a hard time saying Kududin. But you can hear over the last 98 episodes how it's gotten a lot more natural to me because I've been forcing myself to say it. Because, you know, I, for me, that's his name. I, I should be saying the character's name. And early on, I remember there was a comment about something like, oh, your R slash L sound a lot more like D's than anything else. And maybe they still well, do. they do in Japanese. The R's and the D's sound very similar. Right. In fact, I had the longest time conversation with one of my professors back at college is trying to ask about the concept of rendaku, which is um, uh, an unvoiced consonant becoming voiced when it comes after certain syllables, because they thought that I was saying rendaku, which means like communication or contacting someone. Oh. Like, no, well, who, who do you need to get in touch with? And like, no, no, I'm asking a grammar question. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's kind of go around. How do we feel about 
maybe even just Goku's name in general. Is this really, oh, you're saying it wrong? I think another example someone brought up was Vegeta, where it would be Vegeta instead of uh, like we have the vegetable. We don't say vegetable. Mm -hmm. Vegetable. We say vegetable. So we say Vegeta. Mm -hmm. So I guess, Mary, give me some thoughts from you on this. How do you feel about some of these pronunciations versus the dub versus the original? All right. I think I'm inclined to say Goku. Um, I think that's because in every spelling back when I got into it, uh, into the show with fan subs, it never spelled out the W. Uh-huh. And even though you know, I was obviously hearing them say his name properly, but seeing the spelling in text and, and then later in merchandise and whatnot, it was just the four letters. My natural inclination is just to put the emphasis on the go part, even though I know that's wrong. You know I find what? it very hard to train myself to do otherwise. Before, you know, I can already see like the oh, you're such hypocrites because you say blah blah blah. I blah. am a you hypocrite. Come down on Naruto because oh. That's not the character's name. I, I do think there's a bit of a difference between Goku and Goku and then Naruto and Naruto. They're very, very different pronunciations versus a different emphasis. That's how I see that, at least in that particular example. So uh, any other thoughts on this? It's a really interesting subject. I, I don't want to <laughs> call out names or anything, but one of the other people that was commenting on this and making suggestions and not accusations, but kind of like call-outs, is someone from another country, and they've had a voicemail on our show before, and I've heard their accent. And even then, like, it's wrong pronunciations, quote-unquote wrong. If you're in a different part of the world, it's very tough. And I think, in some respects, it's wrong to call out people on those kind of things. We call out people with the Naruto. Unless they're blatantly wrong. Again, I say that's a different pronunciation rather than a different emphasis. That's my... You're still kind of in the same league, though. I think you're just trying to justify why you say it Oh, absolutely. I'll fully admit that I'm trying to justify it to fit my own description and my own argument. But I I honestly feel that way at the same time. I'm just lazy. You know, I'm too old and jaded to want to (laughs) change. You know, I could say anime, but... I'm so acclimated. Oh, absolutely. I, I typically say anime. and Although I did get myself well. in the right position of saying manga instead of manga because I wanted to stop sounding like a fucking hick. <laughs> well, with that one, like I would say with you, we have the word animation. Mm-hmm. We have a word very similar to that. And they all stem from the same thing. So that one's kind of become its own word. But again, that's a justification of yeah, why absolutely. we don't say it the right way. Right. Julian, kind of take us out on this subject. Um, well, I think it also has to do a lot with the fact that certain names in the series uh, come from Japanese, or at the very least, uh, kanji in particular, where you have the reading that, you know, you kind of have to force to take the Japanese reading of something in order to have it make sense. There's other words like cell, trunks, what have you, that, you know, you can read it in English with no problem because it comes from English in the first place. So that that plays a part in it. And I think, you know, it's nice to try for a proper pronunciation. I'm not sure it's quite uh, appropriate to riff on somebody who's speaking some a language that's not their own, who is obviously trying, even if they're not coming up with... Uh, something that sounds entirely natural because i, I mean your attempts at japanese aren't that great either but at the same time you know you got to give people points for you know doing their best right and if you just if you just read things like your native language you know you're not going to have it necessarily make sense to other people who are going to read things as though they're in their own native language i mean just take the many words that have been adapted from english into japanese it's 
been adapted for Japanese pronunciation and hearing them, you don't necessarily know that they're English words. So the, those are the perils that come with, um, you know, not at least attempting to pronounce words as written. In conclusion, so the way that Julian says stuff is probably the best way to say things. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so that's going to wrap up the emails. If you have any questions for us, comments, suggestions, whatever you got, Julian, let's see if you can get it this time. We can be found at what podcast at dizex.com, is that correct? Yeah, that's a proper way to phrase it. Okay, so email us there and that's cool. Damn straight. So uh, I guess that's going to wrap up the episode. I love the topic that we had today. It was so oh, insightful. Oh, yeah, it's great. Good stuff. And boobs. I was glad that I was around <laughs> to participate in it. <laughs> so you're either accurate or a filthy liar with that statement. I love it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and boobs. Yes, I did catch that comment, Mary. <laughs> Good stuff. So that was episode 98. I'm a little scared because we're coming up on episode 100. Ooh. Wow. We need a mustache gun. To... <laughs> Julian, have I told you what we're doing for episode 100? No, we haven't. Uh, I'm going to have to tell you because I've been working on it. So that's coming soon. Episode 99 is next week. 100 is the week after that. And then we uh, very quickly move onwards to the two-year anniversary. We probably won't do anything too special for that because we'll do the 100 special little episode. But look forward to all that awesome stuff coming. We've got video game reviews. We've got... I'll probably talk a little bit about Animaga in the future. Do a little review of those because they're fun. And uh, I actually have some really fun... I keep saying fun, but they're going to be fun. Because we're going to have some new neighbors in the future. We're going to subject people to things and get some more opinions. I'm really excited cool. for that. So that's that. Julian, it was fantastic to have you back on the episode in a somewhat regular fashion. Yeah, cool. Isn't it great? I was glad I was around to be part of the topic. Again, filthy liar. <laughs> I just need to ensure that I'll be part of the topic. That's all. <laughs> Mary, let's easier. get rid of you. <laughs> yeah, get rid of me so I can go download some Genshin fan subs. <laughs> You're a horrible anime fan. I am certainly purchasing it the day it comes out in this country. I know you it, are. It is in my top whatever list. <laughs> okay. Of guaranteed purchases, I, I suppose. Mary, what's up with you? What's going on? Where are you from? Where are you heading? I'm from the internet. <laughs> I, I know this. <laughs> uh, I'm not from the internet, but I have a home on there, supposedly. Okay. I have a site called Temple of Trunks, which is updated every couple months, maybe. Nice. And you can find it at T-E-M-P-L-E-O-T-R-U-N-K-S dot com, templotrunks dot com. Cool stuff. That leaves the Mike and the Julian. And Julian, we can be found at X, which itself can be found by typing into your address bar. www, full stop, D-A-I-Z-E-X, full stop. C-O-M. That's nice. DizeyX.com. That it is. Fantastic. Check out the website. Everything you hear here for news is up there, usually before it is on this show. We share all sorts of things. We've got some Spark and Meteor stuff up over there and uh, other great stuff. That's going to wrap up episode 98 of the podcast. I'm looking forward to 99 and 100 and then the next 100 episodes. So, for Mary over here, and for Julian over there, way, way, way far over there, that leaves me, Mike, Vegito EX, and I got nothing for you. So I'll see you next week.
Daisenshu EX Podcast to Konshu mo kite kudusatte arigato gozaimasu. Jikai wo tanoshimi ni? Excuse me? Oh my. Yes. <laughs>